going today, guys. We're back here live in the studio for the episode of Hot Takes with CP3. Once again, I'm your host, Thomas Penland, joined by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, you, I'm sure you're feeling good after that Alabama win. Say what's up to everybody. Yeah, feeling good, rolling hard, uh, ready for the Tide to compete in another national championship game for sure. As always, guys, Alabama moves on to another national championship game. Before we start off and talk about that, want to let y'all know we will get to the NFL on the back half of today's podcast as usual. Um, we will on Friday have for y'all a national championship preview, and we'll also have a preview of all the meaningful week 17 NFL or week 18 NFL games. I knew I was going to make that mistake and already made it this quick in the podcast, but let's get down to it, Ben. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, man. I think we're both gonna have the same big takeaway from this game. I thought Cincinnati played well and held their own. Like I said, I should have put bet the under and not Cincinnati catching the points. I mean, I saw it about five minutes into the game. I was like, damn it. Why didn't I think of that off a rip that I should have just done that? Because let's be honest. I mean, Alabama, Nick Saban knew that they were much bigger than Cincinnati in the trenches and they pushed him around up front. Evan Neal completely eliminated. I mean, I honestly thought he should have got it. I don't know if they give an MVP or not of those games, but I thought it should have been Evan Neal. I just felt like he completely eliminated whoever was blitzing him from Cincinnati and the entire Alabama line. They just pushed him around up front. You know, they didn't even really try to go at Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant, who we had featured. I mean, I thought those guys played a great game, but Alabama saw all the weakness and they exploited it. I mean, it's just like they did against Georgia. They saw the weakness and they exploited it. on the flip side of things. Desmond Ritter. I mean, I thought Ritter played a good game. I felt like he didn't gamble enough and try to make the big play, but also, too, you know, he didn't really have time, and I don't think they called the plays that, that give him time. You know, he got those passes batted down at the line of scrimmage, overthrew probably the one chance they had to get a touchdown. Cincinnati had their chances, and they drove down the field a couple times, but Ritter could not make the plays, and it was almost like he didn't think he was going to get enough time and look to get deer in the headlights, which he really didn't. Alabama was much bigger than Cincinnati on both sides of the ball, but ultimately, I think – Alabama proved they were the better team and won the game. I mean, it wasn't a pretty game, but they got it done regardless, covered the spread and everything. Um, but, you know, I thought Cincinnati did a good job of showing that they deserved to be there, and I don't think anyone questioned it. Yeah, I wouldn't say Cincinnati got embarrassed at all. Um, I agree with you on a lot of a lot of what you said. Um, I'll, I'll mention, you know, Kobe Bryant and, and Sauce Gardner. Both of them lived up to the hype. They both were outstanding. They were physical. Uh, with the Bama receivers, they really forced them to get open. And uh, whoever number 21 is on the defensive line for Cincinnati played one of the greatest games an edge rusher has played against Alabama all year. I can't think of his name, but he was in the backfield more than anyone. Um, I would have loved to see him lined up on the other side to see if he could do the same things on Evan Neal. Uh, Evan Neal is the best left tackle in football. He's expected to be the first offensive tackle taken, which has become a common occurrence uh the left tackle at alabama's taken really uh, really early in the draft in recent years i don't believe i don't think he's given up a sack in three years of starting at alabama but he didn't get that matchup they kept the guy on the other side and he was doing some damage i thought they got decent pressure on bryce young really all night um to desmond ritter i agree with you i i don't think they had a very good game plan that surrounds his skills going into the game. I, I think they should have done the quick pass game the entire game. Mm -hmm. um, they should have just, they should have just abandoned the run early. I, I think it was very clear that they weren't going to be able to run the football with the quarterback runs that he can do. Yeah. That was pretty established early that their offensive line wouldn't be able to block. 
But quick passing game, you're not asking your offensive line to do all that much. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like they did that. Um, I, I thought he did as well as he could. I mean, listen, his offensive line got dominated by Bama's defensive line in blitz packages. On the flip side for Alabama, they they dominated this football game. Uh, from the trenches to running down your throat. Yep. They didn't need to have any of the big plays. I mean, did Bryce Young look great? No, but he didn't really need to. Brian yep. Robinson, phenomenal. I thought Trey Sanders ran the ball hard. Hey, and Ben, you did call Brian Robinson having a big game. You told me that it wouldn't matter they were missing the wide receivers and Brian Robinson would run all over yeah. them. And the thing is, the you know, the last two um, games Alabama's played, which Georgia mm-hmm. and the SEC Championship and Cincinnati, they've shown people that they can win two different ways if they need to. Yep. Georgia, it's really hard to run the football. So what did Bama do? They opened the game up to Bryce Young, put it on his uh, shoulders and said, go throw us to a win. He did that and he made it look easy. Against Cincinnati, you're facing the top defensive back in college football. Well, they can't stop the run. <laughs> and so Bama's game plan was to run the football until you can stop it. The opening drive was, I believe it was 11 plays long that ended up in a Bama touchdown and 10 plays were rushing the football. And the fact that Brian Robinson didn't get that touchdown was upsetting to me because he deserved it. Yeah, He brought the team all the way down the drive. I think they had one pass attempt, but Bryce Young didn't throw it. I think he ended up scrambling on the drive. But listen, they, they ran the ball down Cincinnati's throats. They played the game in the trenches. They played very physical. They dominated the football game. Uh, I mean, I don't know like what Bama could have done to be more impressive. They covered a double-digit spread of two touchdowns and at one point Brian Robinson had more total yards himself than at at halftime Brian Robinson had 134 total yards himself and Cincinnati as a team at 77 so what I I was talking about with the Bama defense going into this game was they are they they can give up a lot of passing Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of yards through the air but if you look at efficiency-wise, they don't give up a lot of points. And no. since they couldn't get anything going down the field, they couldn't run the ball, so they really just couldn't get anything going on offense. You know, the thing is, like, when, when you're an underdog, especially by two touchdowns, like what just under 13 and a half, whatever it was, yeah, it's almost like you need to play aggressive every single play. If you throw mm-hmm. the ball downfield and you get intercepted, who cares? If Cincinnati lost, I don't know, 42 to 10, who cares? You were expected to lose by double digits. It's almost like they tried to play their game plan, what got them to that point, and think that they could just do it all over Alabama, and they learned real quickly that it's a different animal. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, you know, they played not to get embarrassed, which, you know, is not a bad game plan, but like you said, you know, if it's not working, you got to try something. Like, you know, I was looking for Cincinnati to pull out a trick play, maybe like a halfback pass, you know, that double reverse where the wide receiver tries to throw it or something. They just never really tried anything like that. It was kind of like they just accepted it and kept going, but yeah, you know, I thought it was a completely dominant performance by Alabama, and, you know, Cincinnati showed up and didn't get embarrassed. That defense is le- – I mean, I would say Cincinnati's defense it ranks within the top five units in all of college football. Offenses and defenses. i say, if anything, Sauce Gardner's Kobe Bryant stock just went even – went up even yeah. more. No, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't I – would, I mean, I saw Sauce Gardner because I was looking at a lot of mocks projected to go within the top, like, 12 to 15 every single mock. And, I, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked to hear him get called in the t- – his name called in the top 10 at this point. You know, he declared he, the NFL draft, too. He played 35 games in college football. He didn't give up a single touchdown. 
Similar yeah. receiving touch. Um, and the touchdowns that Bama scored, like the first drive, Slade Bolden, who's really wide receiver number three, maybe even four. He caught the first touchdown. It wasn't on Brian. Mm-hmm. It wasn't on Gardner. And then Cameron Latu caught another touchdown. Tight end wasn't on those two. Like they played very well. And it doesn't shock me that Jameson Williams' numbers might have been a little down in terms of, you know, he's, he's still a lot of receptions. He, yeah. he hit a touchdown or he hit his reception prop. Um, I think he finished the game with like seven or eight catches, but obviously it wasn't for a lot of yards. Bama just took what they gave him in the in the receiving game. The Ja'Cory Brooks touchdown, which I touched on him as a guy uh, that's probably going to step up. He's the guy that caught the touchdown. Yeah, Auburn to send it to overtime. That play they used that he caught the touchdown. They used Jameson Williams as a decoy. Three defenders went with Williams, and it just opened up a wide open Brooks. All he had to do was beat one guy to the pylon. And Bryce Young's got great vision. He's going to throw it to the open guy. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. And, you know, Bryce Young plays with a lot of poise and a lot of, like, veteran in him. You know what I mean? Like, I never really wa- – like, I watched Bryce Young most games this season. I never really saw him, like, trying to force throws or, you know, making dumb plays. Really. I mean, obviously he made some, but, like, you know what I mean? You watch him and it's like he – it's he's Man, cool, calm, and collected. Like, especially in that Auburn game, too. It's like in the Auburn game, he never really forced anything and did anything stupid, and he just kind of let the game keep playing out and let it come to him and on the last drive put together one hell of a drive. There's a picture of him smiling before taking the first snap of that last drive against Auburn. Yeah, I've seen that actually. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying, man. Bry- Bryce, especially when there's no quarterbacks really, maybe Caleb Williams. Besides maybe Caleb Williams to get excited about in college football, other than Bryce Young. Bryce Young comes out, he will be the undisputed number one overall pick in my opinion. I'm sure you agree with me on that one too. It could go back to back in the Heisman race. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would not be shocked to see that happen either. Doesn't although we thought the same thing with Tebow and some of these other guys, but hey, but it's tough. It's it's really tough. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like he he almost seems like a player that talent wise, he may not need another year of college football, but by rule he has to, and he's going to take advantage of it. I would imagine he finds a way to get even better this off season. No, I agree with you completely. I think he's going to keep getting better. I think he's going to be a beast in the NFL too. Yeah, if he came out, I think he'd definitely be the number one overall pick in this NFL draft. So. Actually, I think Jacksonville is the number one overall pick right now. But whenever the first team selects and needs a quarterback, he would go for sure. Anyway, Ben, let's talk about the other game. This game, I mean, college football playoff win as it always goes, guys. Usually these two games are always blowouts, and this game was a blowout. Michigan drove down the field to start the game off against Georgia. They ended up not getting that fourth down, and it's like everything. It's like after that, all the momentum went Georgia's way. Georgia absolutely smacked them. Stetson Bennett was cooking, throwing the ball, running the ball. James Cook was going crazy as well, running the football. I think Georgia did a lot of what Alabama did. They pushed Michigan around in the trenches. Georgia's defensive line absolutely dominated Michigan's offensive line and made them kind of get away from their strengths. I mean, even on that first drive, it was kind of like McNamara running, screen passes, little dump-off passes. It was not really them running the football. And then on top of that, Georgia's interior offensive line really pushed around Michigan up front. Those three guys up front, shout out Warren Erickson, their center. He went to high school with my brother, him and my brother, good friends growing up. Warren balled out, and so did the other two guards. I don't know their names for Georgia, but those boys were pushing them around up front. And, I mean, this game was never even really close. Georgia had them in the bag. The only thing that pissed me off about this game is I had the over, and, of course, they landed exactly on 45 points. But 
I did get fortunate with them getting that two-point conversion, but at the same time, Michigan did go for it in Georgia territory like three times, and Georgia went for it on fourth down at the end of the game when they could have kicked a yeah. field goal. <laughs> so I don't know if it was a bad – if I was fortunate to, to push or if I got a bad beat there, but definitely an interesting game. Yeah, Michigan's offensive line won the Joe Moore Award, which is rewarded to the best offensive line in college football. Um, if you had to re-vote, I don't think they'd get a single vote. I, mean, not, I don't want to take I don't want to take away from what they did throughout the season. They were tremendous, mm-hmm. but they got absolutely embarrassed. Like it looked like they had never gone up against real grown men strength before. Yep. It looked like it looked like Michigan should fire their strength and conditioning coordinator. Like <laughs> it, it just looked like they weren't on the same yeah. level of players of coaching as Georgia. And it was it, it boils down to what pretty much you were saying all along. That this game is. Georgia is the same team as Michigan, but they're a better version of Michigan. That's exactly what it was. I mean, more creative play calling. Where We were used to Michigan doing that, right? They do a lot of reverses. They run the football, but they run in a lot of different ways. Georgia did that go around. Georgia with the halfback pass that was just wide open to get, I think, the second touchdown of the game. Like, I mean, Georgia just dominated from coaches to players to strength. This, This was never a game. Um, the offensive lineman from Michigan showed up in shirts that said, run the damn ball. They couldn't block me if they tried. I mean, (laughs) like they got absolutely embarrassed. Everyone on Michigan should be embarrassed of that performance. Mm -hmm. Not of the season they've had. They still had a tremendous season. Um, winning 12 games is, is no, I mean, it's nothing to head down on, but they got embarrassed and it is what it is at this point. Uh, we knew that Michigan wasn't as good as Georgia. We did think they could at least fight with Georgia a little bit, and they didn't. And based on how the game went, I'm so ready, and I've already heard it. I'm just already ready to hear that Stetson's got his mojo back. He's this and that. And I said it when we talked about the game. If you look at Stetson Bennett's numbers in college, I think he's now, I want to say 13-2 and two in his college career. Yeah, he's... No, three, because he started the Florida game but got hurt, remember? Okay, 13-3, whatever, yeah. He's looked good in every single game except the two times he's played Alabama and then that one time, uh, was it last year they played Florida? Yeah. But but Georgia had a lot of injuries in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, not to make excuse, but they lost a couple of receivers in the game. Um, it, it is what it is. Like Just because Stetson plays great against Michigan, who does have a good defense – doesn't mean he can do it on Alabama, even if Michigan's defense is technically, statistically better than Alabama's than it was all year. He hasn't proven that he can even come close to beating a Nick Saban defense. He did what he did all season long. He dominated the opposing, mm-hmm. looked like a starting college football quarterback, and nobody have, should have worries on him. We'll see if he can do it on the big stage once again against Alabama because tell you what most of my georgia fans still don't believe in them yeah most georgia people i know too still don't believe in him and look it's not like me and ben are saying just that's a minute shouldn't be a starting quarterback or anything i think he's a good college quarterback he has no chance though in the nfl and look at the guys who beat alabama i mean outside of zach calizada pretty much every single time i've watched alabama lose in my lifetime it's been against a damn good quarterback even when old miss beat him i mean chad kelly swag kelly was a superstar college quarterback so oh wallace you know, yeah, Bo. Yeah, Bo Wallace too. Um, Johnny Johnny Football. 
Um, Trevor Lawrence, Deshaun Watson. You mean like Bo Nix being Alabama? Yeah, but that was also when y'all had all those injuries and you had already been eliminated. For I mean, you're basically eliminated from going to the national championship at that point. It sealed so. the deal for Bama to miss the playoff. Yeah, I mean that was and Mac Jones threw a pick six, ninety nine yard pick six. I mean it is what it is. Like, but you're right. For the most part, it takes a high caliber quarterback, and you can't make mistakes to beat an Alabama team. Really, a Nick Saban team, you have to play perfect football. Stetson's played far from perfect football in his two matchups. Now he gets to go round three, and and we'll see if they can adjust because I'm sure they're looking at film. I'm sure they're saying we can do this a lot better. Um, I've already heard Kirby say that on some of the third downs, they they had the right defense called. They just didn't make the play. Well, you got to make the play, and I don't know what to tell Mm -hmm. you. Just because you call the great – I mean, it almost sounds like he's blaming the players. Well, I called the perfect play. We just didn't tackle Bryce Young. Well, you got to tackle. You got to tackle Bryce Young. Don't let him get the ball off. I mean, I, I think the national championship. We'll talk about it more Thursday. It's a cat and mouse game. Both teams are going to adjust at some point. Those adjustments that they've made from the SEC championship to to now will be will be seen. Kirby will notice what Bama changes. Saban will notice what Kirby changes, and then you got to make another adjustment because Plan A doesn't work. When you're playing Nick Saban or Kirby Smart, you better have plan B and C for when you get punched in the mouth. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be one hell of a game. I honestly am so excited to watch this game, way more than I was excited to watch last year's national championship. Honestly, though, I was excited to watch the LSU. Honestly, all the Clemson and Alabama LSU ones I was excited to watch. Last year, definitely not. This one's going to be awesome, guys. This game is going to be awesome. Um, Anyway, let's uh, before we talk about NFL here real quick, I think we got to have this discussion. It's a discussion we pretty much have at some point every single year. And, you know, me and Ben kind of had the discussion after we ended last podcast, but it's time to have it once again. Ben, there's a lot of people, you know, some people take the too many bowl game stance. Some people take the, they like the bowl game stance. You know, they still get good ratings because at the end of the day, you know, there's families sitting at home with a ton of family around and they just throw it on the TV because there's nothing else to do. Or there's people like me and you who enjoy betting and we enjoy the sport of college football. So we still watch the majority of these bowl games. Ben, first of all, do you think let's do you think there's too many bowl games? Not I don't not really. I mean, I think there's 42 of them, I want to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not like a proponent of maybe adding more than that. I think we have plenty as of now. I think the way of fixing it is making more bowl games meaningful. And that would be expanding the playoff. And I yep. think that would have more of a trickle down effect as to other games. You're not gonna change the parent like you're not going to change the fact that the the tax slayer bowl means something. It's never going to mean something. It, it just won't. And sorry to tax slayer for being a sponsor of that game, but it, that's reality. That that game is not ever going to mean something. And if you're going to have opting like guys opting out of it, it just comes with the territory of where we're at in college football. But you can make more bowl games meaningful than they are right now. Right now, other than the the semifinal game, um, the semifinal games, and then the obviously the national championship. But you, I mean, like the Rose Bowl means something. It's the, it's the most historic venue mm-hmm. in college. Football. You pretty much always get a good Rose Bowl game too. It was um, a great game. There's really like off the top of my head, there's probably like five or six bowl games that you can say are meaningful right now. Mm-hmm. I'd like to see more than that though. 
Yeah, see, I agree with you. I think that I would like to see more meaningful games. We'll talk playoff expansion, obviously, here in a second, because that's what this whole conversation was set up to lead to. But I I personally like having all the bowl games. I still like it where the six and six teams, you know, where basically if you win six games, you go to a bowl game. I like that. It gives teams motivation. Um, maybe, you know, they need to add a little more monetary motivation in there to motivate these players to play more at the same time opt-outs will happen. I think it just is what it is. You know, I like to have something to do while I'm working or while I'm not doing anything. And I feel like college football bowl games, what we become accustomed to. I mean, look, I think the people who are complaining about it is most are the writers and the people who work in college football that have to watch every single one of these games and write about it. And they're complaining about it. Look, if you don't like your job, don't do it. Then you know what I mean? I would, I would give anything to be able to my job, to watch college football and write about it. So I definitely think that those are the wrong people complaining. I mean, now I will say this though, like the fact that they put Rutgers in that game against Wake Forest, that's kind of like a, what are we really doing here moment? You know what that I mean? Good. Couldn't play. So yeah. that felt like every year occurrence. No, exactly. So yeah, no, I do agree with that. That's like a one-time thing, but yeah. I you know, like those Rutgers too, to be honest with you. Yeah. They I mean, did Rutgers- it, who had the biggest growth in academics. That's a great incentive. Mm-hmm. That is. And, and I mean, now their lucky. college gets it. Yeah, they get a ton of money because of that bowl game. These colleges get so much money off the bowl games. Um, the other thing we need to talk about, though, Ben, is explaining that playoff. Obviously, Ben, we both talked about it. I'll give my spiel. You give yours. Look, I think the best thing to do is give us more meaningful football. I think asking these kids to play one more game and extending it to an 18 playoff is worth it. I think you got to give. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's some years like this year, I would say the Pac-12 ACC probably didn't deserve to have a representative in there. But still, I think you give the Power Five conferences a representative. Then you give your at-large bids to the other three teams. So that would have been Georgia, Cincinnati, and Notre Dame. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Ohio State and Ole Miss are both better than Notre Dame. And since, um, I mean, Ohio State probably would beat Cincinnati. But I think Cincinnati earned it over them, you know. And I think that Notre Dame did as well. So, at the end of the day, I think you got to extend it to six teams, get and do the five team format. Um, I think I think that it should be that the all so that the four I think that the four four conference champions with the best records should host, and then like for example, Utah with three losses would have to play Pittsburgh at wherever that you know if they want to play, they can play them on neutral sites, they can play them at the team's home stadium, then go to the neutral sites. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I think at the end of the day, more more at the end of the day. The NCAA wants to make money. So why are we not playing more meaningful bowl games? That makes the most sense to me here. Other than Georgia and Alabama, I think this Utah team we saw this year could hang with anyone else in the country. Yeah. I, I can't name a team that that they can at least hang with. I mean, mm-hmm. they were playing tremendous football. Uh, they played a great bowl game. They just let one play. They just couldn't stop uh, Jackson and uh, what's uh, what's his name? Jackson, um, oh, um, Smith, uh, Jackson Smith, like Najee or whatever it is, or I can't think of his, it's something like that. Yeah, it's Smith, something with like Najee. It's hyphenated, I don't know how to pronounce it either. Um, I mean, he the greatest performance we've ever seen. I mean, Rose Bowl records, NCA records. I mean, other than that, Utah played a phenomenal game. I mean, I think Utah could hang with anyone. I'm fine with, uh, with that, with expanding, I wouldn't do more than eight. Um, then I think it's just ridiculous to that point. I prefer six and the top two get a buy. That's that's just me. Um, mm-hmm. I was 
I was always a, a fan of the BCS system. Um, now, in that case, this year, if we did a BCS system for four teams, I would have an issue with it because that would mean Georgia would not be in the playoff. And obviously, I think they deserve to be in the playoff. I think Georgia's the second best team in college football at this point in the season, even though I guess I'm wrong because Vegas still has Georgia favored. But um, if we did the BCS rankings, Georgia wouldn't be in. Now, if we did six, they would be in. I never had an issue with the BCS system. I actually didn't like it that we were switching from computer generated numbers to a committee with humans. Mm -hmm. Humans make errors. Humans are biased. Computers can't be. So I don't know. I'd be fine with going back to the BCS system. I'm sure that's not what we're going to do, but I am all in favor for expanding to six teams or even to eight, even though I prefer six. Yeah. I mean, Six, eight, either way we get more games, so I'm cool with either one. But, yeah, I think expanding the, expanding is the way to go. I mean, it makes sense, man. Whatever makes money makes sense. At the end of the day, it's going to make more money. So I think it makes sense. Anyway, let's talk about some NFL, guys. Um, so we were going to start out. playoff picture is outstanding. Oh, yeah, the NFL and playoff I, picture. I actually do think the 14 best teams in the NFL are currently in the playoffs right now. I do agree with you completely on that. Something that could happen in the NFC and AFC could shake that up, but talk about that in a second. So we were going to start out today's segment and have a heated debate over who should be offensive rookie of the year. Ben was thinking Jamar Chase. I was thinking a little Jalen Waddle action. Well, now I think there's no debate whatsoever. It's Jamar Chase easily. Ben, what were, what would you say the Vegas odds were again? Yeah. So this is from FanDuel. Uh, Jamar Chase offensive rookie of the year is minus two fifty. And the only other option to bet on is Mac Jones, who is plus one ninety five. Okay, interesting. See, I'm, I, I mean, you'd be wasting money on Mac Jones at this point. Jamar Chase has all wrapped that thing up. I mean, he could have zero catches this last week. You wrap it up anyway, though. Let's talk about now this how this playoff picture is shaped up. So, Cincinnati did what I did not think they could do. Ben did think they had a chance, and they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City is now the number two seed. Tennessee is the one seed. We have Cincinnati here at the three seed. Four seed is the Bills. And your wild card, New England, is clinched. Then we got Indianapolis and the Chargers with something to play for, as well as the Vegas Raiders, the Steelers, and the Dolphins. I mean, and the Ravens. So there is a scenario still where the Steelers and the Ravens can get in the playoffs here. Ben, what what do you think was your biggest surprise of how the things took place this weekend? It's... Not the honestly, not the Bengals because I that over that I gave out was easy. Yeah, <laughs> in like the first half. Uh, yeah, I, biggest surprise like it, it might have been the way that Miami just laid an egg. And listen, the weather wasn't great in Tennessee. It was uh, kind of windy and a lot of rain. That kind of plays to what Miami likes to do. I mean, they don't have like a great, great running game necessarily mm-hmm. to lean on, like the Titans kind of do, honestly, right now. But Tua likes to throw the ball short, and they like to get the ball to their playmakers early. Like, you can do that in the rain. And all these NFL quarterbacks can throw a football in the rain. It just makes it harder to throw the ball deep if you're getting pressured. The way that Miami looked in a game that they needed, I mean, they got – I mean, the Titans were more physical than them. The Titans outcoached them. They made Tannehill look like he was – up for MVP. I mean, it's just like the the Dolphins in a game they needed got absolutely embarrassed. And I'd probably put that as my number one thing, to be honest with you. I mean, 
either that or the way I mean the Colts losing at home. I get that Carson Wentz didn't didn't practice this week, but that's not a team that should be able to that should lose the at home regardless of Carson Wentz's health because they lean on the running game anyway. They didn't even play bad. They just lost at home. Yeah, you know, I think that I thought I was definitely surprised by the way the Dolphins lost. Obviously, I came on here and said Tennessee was my max bet, so I thought Tennessee right. would get it done. But yeah, you know, Foreman too, man, he did a great job on the ground. I thought really showed out in that game. So did Tannehill throwing the ball. But, you know, Foreman's a guy who was a highly touted recruit coming out of high school. He was decent in college at Texas. So I feel like he's honestly just in the right spot. But yeah, you know, I thought that the Raiders winning that game was pretty surprising. Like you said, just the fact they went on the road and got it done in Indianapolis. They've actually won straight up the last two times they played in Indianapolis. And think about it, dude, Indianapolis has been in that playoff picture the last basically every single year. So that's crazy to even think about. But, yeah, this Raiders defense showed up. And like you said, Carson Wentz looked very uncomfortable. The Raiders are pesky. They don't go away. <laughs> It's crazy to think, man, like the Raiders came out here, played so hot at the beginning of the season. Then they lose Gruden. They lose rugs. I mean, the losses just keep piling up for them. Aaron Darren went up and down at uh, yeah. the second season. Darren Waller doesn't even didn't even play for him. And somehow they still pull it out. It's just crazy to see the Raiders still here and hanging around and throwing blows. I mean, I thought Baltimore. I mean, they showed out and played with a lot of heart. I mean, imagine if they ended up beating the Rams in that game. I was kicking myself for not betting on the on the Ravens in that game. I just saw Hollywood Brown was ill all week and was going to try to play but didn't feel good about it. DuVernay was ill and wasn't going, and it scared me off. Yeah, you talked about it Tuesday, too, that you really liked them. Um, I had I was on the Rams on that side, so I was wrong. But the I don't know. I think the Dolphins just coming out flat in mm-hmm. – I don't know if that like, I don't know where. How good did did I? I think I don't think a lot of people thought they were really good, even when they were on a seven game win streak, because everyone kept bringing up, well, who who have they beaten? Well, yeah, I guess that point was proven right. You know, also too, man, Tennessee had that long week to prepare too, coming off the San Francisco win, so that played to it. Yeah, you know, the Dolphins. This has kind of been the same story. I feel like from the past couple of years, they're in it at the end of the season and they come up short every single time and go home in that playoff game. So. They got to figure something out there. Let's talk about the NFC picture shaping up here. So, well, actually, real quick, do you think Tennessee hangs on and gets the number one seed? Yep. I agree with you completely. I mean, they got to play Houston this week, so they got to be pretty favored. Plus, I need to hit that Houston under four and a half wins this season. So, love to see Which him hang on. Incredible there. for the Titans because now they're going to have a bye. Um, they need to make a decision on whether they want to activate Derrick Henry so that he can get some practice time in. Yep. The fact that they're going to get a bye with the chances of getting King Henry back. Listen, I know that Tennessee being a one seed, they're not the greatest home field advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, living here for over a year now, I've I've seen some away crowds really kind of take over Nashville. I don't think it matters. The way that they're coached, the way that they're playing – they will play in the middle of a hailstorm. They'll play in a tornado. If Rabel tells the boys to line up and play hard and play physical, they're going to smack you in the mouth. They they fit the team. The style of play of the team fits the identity of the coach, and they are all on the same page. I don't think it matters whether they're – they won a road playoff game. Was it last year? Mm. No, last year they lost to the Ravens in the first round, but the year before that they went up to Baltimore and beat them in a playoff game. So, I mean, this team pretty much has that same exact same core. You know, they yeah, got they hung with the all those guys. Taken. 
yeah, they did hang with Kansas City for the first half. The second half, Kansas City pulled away. Also, it's, too, it's that no one gives them a chance because their quarterbacks doesn't do anything flashy. Their defense doesn't have a ton of like huge names on it. Everyone does their job. Yeah, and you know, I think the most slept-on player in the NFL, or if not the most, but one of the most slept-on players in the NFL, is A.J. Brown. You know, I'm not saying that people don't recognize him as being a good receiver, which they do, but I think A.J. Brown is like top five, top eight good receiver. I mean, he's absolutely dominated the last two days out there, and when he's out there, he mean, he he is the shoulders of a tight end, but the body of a wide receiver. He's just a freak of nature, and I think really getting him back in there and the fact that he can get Henry back just makes Tennessee absolute weapon. And also, too, Julio Jones was out in that game on the COVID list, so their offense is only going to keep getting more and, and more healthy. I would imagine Henry's going to be pretty fresh. I mean, what I've heard from, like, other NFL players who have, like, on podcasts that have gone mm-hmm. through rehabbing, like, yeah, your rehab is really hard, but you're also getting a lot of work in. So your, your muscles are staying fresh as you rehab that one muscle mm-hmm. or one injury that you were going through. The fact that he hasn't been tackled recently – I got to tell you what, it's been cold in Nashville recently. We got snow a couple of days ago. It might snow again Thursday. That's not a man you want to tackle when it's freezing cold outside. No, not at all. That's the kind of guy you hit when it's freezing cold outside and you can't feel your upper body anymore. So nobody's going to want to tackle King Henry. He's coming for the, for the AFC. Um, let's talk about the NFC picture shaping up here, though. So Green Wild. Bay – Green Bay has officially clinched the number one overall spot. They're going to – so if the Rams and Tampa both win and they lose, there would be a three-way tie record-wise, but they beat the Rams straight up, and they have some sort of – I don't know how it works exactly, but they automatically – oh, it's because the it's because the tiebreaker is by division, and they're four and one, they're four and one in the division, and both those teams are three and two, and then after that, it goes like strength of schedule or something, and they'll have them by strength of schedule. It's like a weird way of doing it, so – Green Bay will automatically win that. The Rams win a tiebreaker with uh with Tampa Bay. Um, Ben, I mean, we got to talk about it, man. Is Tampa Bay screwed without ha- without having uh Antonio Brown in there? Is this offense not going to be able to do it? Not screwed because they have twelve men in the ship. Um, I just think they have to change their style of offense a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to be without Antonio Brown. I would assume he hasn't been released from the team. Um, and they're going to be without Chris Godwin, who they lost to uh, – was it a torn ACL? Yeah, he tore his ACL. He's still the big-time playmaker on the outside in Mike, in Mike Evans, who if he's one-on-one, you throw him the football, he makes the play. I think they just change their – I think they go back. I think Brady can kind of implement with Bruce Arians and Byron Lovewich an old-school Patriots offense. They have three really good tight ends. They have Gronkowski, who's obviously Brady's best friend, Hall of Famer. Yep. O.J. Howard, who's a very good target when healthy, and he is. And Cameron Brait, who's a veteran, who's – I'd say he's got good hands. He runs good Absolutely. routes. And Brait and Gronk are also very good at blocking. I, I don't know how good O.J. Howard's been as a blocker. I just know he's more of a receding, receiving tight end. They have a really good run game. They have two running backs who are both very capable, both also capable at catching the ball out of the backfield. You're never screwed when you have Tom Brady. Um you, you should never really be an underdog in, in most big games when you have Tom Brady. So I don't think they're screwed. I just think they need to lean on their defense a little bit more and change the style of play to a more tight end focused offense. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that. I think they really, really need to run the ball more. Look, Tom Brady played with tw- plenty of terrible, no weapon offenses in new England and still got through this team. I've never honestly- heard of, I've never heard of the dude that caught the game winning touchdown. Exactly. Yeah. I'd never heard of that guy either. He catches on the drive. 
Yeah, I'd never heard of that guy either. I was like, who the hell is that when I saw that he got the game-winning touchdown? But, yeah, you know, man, Brady has done it before in New England without any any help. So I think having no help will be no problem here for Brady whatsoever. On top of that, when I look at, when I look at this Tampa Bay roster – they're saying that Leonard Fournette should be. They're optimistic he'll be ready to go for that first game of the playoffs. Right. I think it's going to be pretty tough for a wild card to go in and beat Tom Brady with how much playoff experience he has. Tampa Bay is going to be ready. I'm not worried about it. As long as Devin White's out there, as long as Tom Brady's out there, as long as the offensive line's out there, everything should be I, I good think, to go. I think the only way the Bucks might get in trouble is if their defense can't get many stops um, throughout a game. If it gets into a total shootout, I mean, when it comes, like, you know, like, like the Rams, for instance, like if they're playing the Rams, like the team that has more weapons is the Rams. Mm-hmm. But the team that quarterback advantage is obviously the Bucks. It just if, if they're getting into a shootout, I don't know if they have enough. So yeah, Brady needs a little bit of help from his defense, but his defense is supposed to be amazing. So he's not you don't really need the Bucks defense to do anything they're not used to doing, right? They're good at they're great against the rush. They're actually are they? I don't know if they're first in the NFL still against the rush, but they're top three against the rush, which means they can force teams to be one-dimensional. It's tough to beat a Tom Brady team when you're only one-dimensional. If you have the weapons to do it, it makes it easier, but that's the only way I see the Bucs getting in trouble is if they have to score almost every possession. The lack of weapons, like you're going to be relying on like Tyler Johnson and uh, who's that other wide receiver they have? Jalen Darden, I know, is one of the rookies. I don't know if he gets much playing time or not. Honestly, all I know is is really Evans and Tyler Johnson at this point. Like, I was thinking of Rashard Perriman, but he plays for the Ravens. I was thinking of the guy that played on Minnesota with him. No, I think they still have Rashard Perriman. Didn't he catch that game winner against Buffalo? They have. I'm telling you, they have someone that I am not thinking of. Let me go back to the the Jets. yeah, Brashard Perriman, so I was right. So, like, they just need these guys to, to play a little bit better than they've done. They've been in the system for a couple of years now, so him and Brady, mm-hmm. you know, got to put in the extra work. Brady will get these guys ready to go when it comes to playoff time. No, I absolutely agree with you on that one, Ben. And, look, the way things are going to play out right now, I mean, I think Tampa Bay is definitely going to handle Carolina on Sunday. On top of that, so it looks like Arizona so – right Right Arizona's now, locked in at the five. Arizona or the Rams will be the five seed to play Dallas. I mean, San, I think San Francisco's – if I'm them, I would rather play the Eagles. But, I mean, I think San Francisco is damn good. I mean, San Francisco versus Tampa Bay would be a tough matchup. It, I, I, see, I don't know. I, the Bucks play extremely well at home. I And, yes, I realize they don't have all the weapons that they've had. I just think it's a tougher game. Like, if I'm the Bucs, I'd rather play the Eagles – Absolutely. Uh, because of the run defense that the Bucks have, but I don't think the Bucs have any trouble in round one. I really don't. They're playing it. What if home. they play the Saints? If they play the Saints, then it's a little tougher because <laughs> of the matchup that the Saints defense yeah. have had Brady. But what are the how many points do we really think the Saints are gonna be able to score? Like Brady gets two touchdowns in the game, that game's over. Exactly. No, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't be worried about that. If anything, I'll be slamming the under in that game if those two teams like, play he can against afford each other. to make it he can afford to make it a mistake against the Saints defense because their offense won't take advantage of it. Exactly. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, Ben, to see how everything plays out. Eagles have officially clinched, even though San Francisco is ahead of them because they tied with them. If San Francisco is not officially in, so 
the Eagles are have officially clinched a playoff berth. The Saints are the Saints and the San Francisco are the only teams that could flip flop each other. And so the Saints play the Falcons, and the 49ers play the Rams. So the Saints need to beat the Falcons and the 49ers to lose, and they're in. Yeah, all I know is it's not going to be easy for the Saints, man. What Whenever happens, there's what happens if they both lose, 49ers stay in. Yeah, the 49ers would stay in at that point because the Saints have one less win than them still. The Saints absolutely have to win, and the 49ers have to lose to the Rams. And as been brought to my attention and reminded me, Kyle Shanahan does own Sean McVay. And also on top of that, look, the Falcons are home dogs versus a rival like the Saints. That's when the Falcons get up to play against them. I think he's going to be playing again, too. Not official, but. Yeah, no, definitely not official. I agree with you, though. He probably will. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has a broken finger on his hand. It's not like he's on his throwing hand. He's not going to be able to come back to that in one week. I did, too. Look, in the first half. He threw that bad interception. They couldn't really do anything. But in the second half, he settled in and played really good football. You know, I watched that whole game, too, against Arizona. And even though he did, he honestly didn't play that great of a game, he had the chance to make the plays, and he was close to making them. I think it really all came together for him in the second half of that game against Houston. And I think it, I wouldn't mean I would not be shocked at all to see him play a great game this Sunday. I mean, he just needs more reps. He, he mm-hmm. needs more game experience. I mean, it's tough to – to play like week six and then not play till like week 15 and just go out there and replicate what you're doing in practice. I mean, he, Jimmy G hasn't given Trey Lance the opportunity to play because he's had a pretty decent season and I thought Trey Lance did fine. No, I agree with you completely, Ben. Get the ball to 19 and 85 and you'll do just fine. <laughs> exactly. Get that ball to Debo Samuel, George Kittle. You'll be doing just, just fine. Ben, before we get out of here, man, let's talk about these NFL awards, though. You know, we haven't really talked about them that much. As the, I mean, it hasn't really been worth our time talking about the MVP because the award's been wide open all year. Well, Ben came on here a couple of weeks ago, guys. As predicted, he said Aaron Rodgers was going to win NFL MVP. Ben, what are those odds at now? I said it like three, maybe four weeks ago at plus 700. So it's definitely, definitely uh, a nice one to take a flyer on. Since I, Listen, I thought the Packers were the best team in football. For, for months now, and, I, and I've said it multiple times. Aaron Rodgers is your current favorite. These are according to FanDuel. Minus 400 to win MVP. Tom Brady is in second at plus 550. And then tied for third, you have Joe uh, sorry, Jonathan Taylor and Joe Burrow at plus 1,400. Listen, the I, I thought the Packers would clinch the one seed in the NFC. The only way they're going to do that is, is uh, uh, Rodgers balling out. If you look at his di- numbers against divisional opponents, he absolutely owns them. It's not a, he doesn't just own the Bears; he owns the entire NFC North. Yep, he hasn't thrown a pick in against an NFC North opponent in a long time. It just he just makes it look too easy. He's got a lot of weapons, but he also uses them in the right way. And the great thing about and the reason why I think the Packers are the best team in football for the first time in a while. They're not relying on Aaron Rodgers solely on Aaron Rodgers to win them football games. They are very balanced attack, running the ball with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, and then letting Aaron Rodgers make the big plays when the big plays need to be made. They're not asking Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball 50 times and make magical plays. They're just asking for balance, and they have a lot of balance. AJ Dillon, oh my God, he is unbelievable. And he's a running back too on the team. And he's a clear running back, too, since Aaron Jones is a stud. Yeah. They just they have it all figured out right now. LaFleur and Rodgers are on the same page. You know uh, Rodgers and Adams are always on the same page. And if they can run the football down people's throats like they've done for most of this season, 
I don't know how a team is going into the frozen tundra of Lambeau and beating a balanced attack like like the Packers are showing. You know, if Chris Godwin was healthy or they still had Antonio Brown, I would try to make a case for uh, that bad, bad man down in Tampa. But, you know, Ben, it's tough for me to make a case against the point you just made there. Although I will say there might be a team or two over in the AFC that uh, would love to link up with them in the Super Bowl and give them a run for their money. But, yeah, it'd be tough to go against the Packers to win the NFC. Um, anyway, Ben, um, what other, what were the other awards you wanted to mention? Ben's got all the, uh, all the odds and everything pulled up, Ben, read them off to us. Let's go through them. Went through the offensive rookie of the year. Um, Jamar Chase was minus 250. Mac Jones was plus 195. Defensive player of the year, TJ Watt, um, minus 400. Second place is Micah Parsons at plus 400. Uh, Aaron Donald plus 900. And then Trayvon Dix plus four, plus 4,000. We got to talk about TJ Watt because what this man is doing is just annihilating opponents. I mean, Mm -hmm. the award that, so he's got in 76 total games, he has 70 sacks. The only player in NFL history who has a better pace than that is JJ Watt, who had 70 sacks in 75 games. These guys are just dominating. I mean, it's, it's stupid what TJ Watt is doing to right tackles and left tackles in football. He's honestly making it insanely easy. That dude just, he just does. I mean, he's been the sack leader. I think it's going to be his fourth consecutive year in the NFL being the sack leader. It's just unbelievable what he's able to do. Um, and then the coach of the year award. Zach Taylor from the Bengals is plus 155 is the current favorite. Matt LaFleur of the Packers is plus 170. Mike Vrabel for the Titans is plus 400, and then it drops off Bill Belichick, Nick Sirianni, and Frank Reiter, all plus 4,000. Um, very deserving for what Zach Taylor's been able to turn around with the Bengals mm-hmm. team. You know, a lot of people, including me, doubted him, and some people thought he should have been fired after year one and two. Well, now he just won the AFC North. So a lot of props to Zach Taylor and the Bengals. Um, this is the one that, that I think is the, it, or it's actually the tightest race. It's the AP NFL Offensive Player of the Year. It's a dead tie. And it's two guys who both deserve the award. It's Jonathan Taylor, the running back from the Colts, and Cooper Cup, wide receiver from the LA Rams. They're both at minus 110. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to if Cup can break that receiving record this last week or if he can get the triple crown as, as a wide receiver. So he needs, like, I don't think he's even going to break. He might, but. He needs 11 receptions to break the Michael Thomas record, which Michael Thomas did in one less game. Like, asking someone to get 11 receptions in one game is a lot. I don't know how many times he's had more than 10 receptions in a game this season. I can't imagine that many. They're both just carrying their their respective team's offenses. The Colts' game plan is to feed 28 the ball, Jonathan Taylor. The Rams' game plan is not necessarily to always get Cooper Cup the ball. He's just always open. And when he's open, he's the man at getting yards after the catch. So I don't have an opinion on who deserves it. I I honestly think they both deserve it. Um, I just think it's really interesting. They're both minus 110. Tells you the voters in Vegas and the odds makers, they don't have a decision made either. No, 100%. I mean, 
I would honestly lean towards betting on Cup just because, I mean, what if the crazy happens and somehow Jacksonville upsets Indianapolis this week? And by the way, the, the craziest thing we need to talk about here before we get out of here real quick is how funny would it be if Jacksonville gets upset by Indianapolis and then the Raiders and Chargers just take knees the entire game and tie each other and both make the playoffs? Wait, say that over because Jacksonville wouldn't get upset by losing. Sorry, sorry. If Jacksonville upsets the Colts and beats them, then the right. Raider, if the Raiders and Chargers tied each other, both teams would make the playoffs and the Steelers and Ravens and Colts would all be eliminated. Wow, that's an insane scenario. I mean, obviously it ties, they can happen. They've already happened once this year. I mean, at uh, that point, at that point, if the if the Indianapolis is already lost and you it comes down to that, you two playing each other. I would honestly be like, look, let's just take, let's both make the playoffs and call it a season. I, would, I, de- I mean, I feel like it's the fair thing to do. That How would funny. be insane. I, I, I wouldn't predict that that's going to happen uh, since I'll never predict a tie. That, and we'll talk about it more Thursday, I would assume. Uh, we're doing our NFL or Friday podcast. We're doing our NFL predictions, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the thir- yeah. Was it do- on? Was it flexed on Monday night or Sunday night for the Raven or Raiders and Chargers? Yeah, so let me tell you all what our NFL schedule is for this week. No Thursday night football, no Monday night football this week. So, yeah, so what we're looking at on is Saturday, we're going to have Chiefs, Broncos, Cowboys, Eagles. Then we're going to have have um, Cowboys, Eagles game for seeding. Does that matter? Um, yeah, I mean, if Dallas loses, they could fall in the seating because then if they were to be tied with Arizona, they wouldn't have a tiebreaker if Arizona were to win the Rams loss. So it could, it could end up mattering for seating. We don't know yet. Then we're going to have the Steelers versus the Ravens at one. Let's see. The Falcons Saints are at four. Bengals Browns at one, Packers Lions at one, Bears Vikings at one, Washington Giants at one, Colts Jags at one. Um, let's keep looking down here. 49ers and Rams will play at four. The Patriots will play the Dolphins at four. The Seahawks play the Cardinals at four. Panthers play the Bucks, and we have Chargers Raiders on Sunday Night Football. So yeah, it, I mean, could, it, it could be the knee off. It's um, it's winner go home. I mean, winners in and and losers most likely out. So just that that's gonna be the most impossible game to bet because both teams are so untrustworthy. The Chargers do actually play well on the road. It's just insane betting on both of those teams. I mean, the Chargers have just been so up and down this season. Yeah, and my career and betting on to, I mean, shout out to their interim coach. He's done a hell of a job. Yeah, and also too in my career of betting on NFL week. This is now week eighteen, and it used to be week seventeen. Um, not done very well, honestly. I'll probably take one bet just because I like to like to bet on sports, but. Not gonna lie, guys. I don't think there's a lot of money to be made this last week. So, just depends. I mean, you don't have a lot of like winner go home games. We only have we really have the one this year with the yeah, Raiders and lo- playing yeah, each other. Exactly, and a lot of times too, you know, when you have two teams, like especially a w- team playing for a wild card spot, you know, when you ever you have a team who needs to win for a wild card spot versus a team that's not really trying, the other team comes out there so much more loose, and the other team's real tight and loses a lot of the time. So. You know, there's that angle as well. Like, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see the Falcons beat the Saints outright. But anyway, guys, big podcast coming on, big podcast coming on uh, Thursday. So everyone get locked in for that. But appreciate everyone who tuned in. Ben, anything else from you before we get out of here? No, that's all.
Let's do it. All right, guys. We'll talk to you all again on Thursday.